Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Happy New Year and welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch. Kim Bilotto, hey, it's a new year and, and things are already It's going to be a great oh, year. Is it not going to be a great year? Boy, it's, things are blowing and going again. Yeah, the uh, oil and gas has really built a lot of steam up in the state of Texas and, and I think nationally lately. I think once the Dakotas thaw out from the winter, <laughs> yeah. it'll probably be real busy up there as well. But South Texas, things are just hopping. The Permian, things are hopping. It's it's an exciting year it's an exciting time for oil and gas again because it's been a little tough for the last couple of years there's been a lot of operators and small independents and service companies that really struggled some didn't make it through the dry patch what i will say though alvin is you know despite the prices still being relatively low compared to where they were um, we're seeing so much more activity in permian basin eagle ford and the shell plays u.s shell plays are starting to come back and 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 here's my point there were so many displaced companies because they didn't make it or they weren't able to adjust their pricing as necessary for the downward turn. And so what I do see is there's a lot of companies that need to reconnect into services. And this is a great opportunity for them to look to Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine or in the Oil Patch Radio Show because you know what? They are listening to our show and they are also looking at our magazine so there is no greater time to get back in on the service line with these oil companies than right now exactly i get three or four calls a week from from people that tell me hey i, I heard the show and and y'all are just y'all are so much better today than you were two years ago oh we have grown <laughs> a lot on that area too which uh you know experience counts for everything doesn't it it's uh, it, it's been a good run it's it's been a lot of fun course and uh, this year is going to be a lot more fun exactly i'm really excited about the new things we're doing um and i'm really excited to talk about teak let's talk about the texas energy advocates coalition for a minute and and some of the things that teak has coming up but first explain to us kim what is teak it stands for texas energy advocates coalition and it was created because you know alvin there's a lot of uh companies and entrepreneurs and uh, people that are working in the oil patches that um, really struggle to get their message out, um, attend uh, networking events, mixers, um, to build their businesses. And so one of the things that uh, we created was a model to allow throughout the year these companies to come together and to try to help support one another through these networking mixers, breakfasts, or lunches. However, they were also created to when there is a session uh, that's occurring, uh, session time, which is every two years here in Texas, we would gather up all of our advocates and have a fun day at our state capitol um, in Austin, Texas. And so that day... Um, is February 22nd. We will have buses uh, pull our group together, go down to the state capitol, spend a day down there uh, enjoying lunch, uh, speakers, and meeting with our elected officials to tell them that energy is important in Texas and business 
uh, depends on energy. And so we want anyone who supports energy, um, supports businesses to come and join us and have fun that whole entire day, which again, it's February 22nd. 222 is going to be Teak Energy Day. Does somebody have to be an oil and gas professional to be a Teak member? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, uh, while we do have those members, uh, a lot of our uh, members are actually uh, folks that are selling copy copiers or uh, chambers or um, people that are selling cars and uh, people that are selling uh, office products. So I'll, I'll give you a not. good example of that. I, uh, I, I made a delivery to one of my customers down in Pleasanton, Texas earlier this week, and the young man that we made the delivery to is from Shreveport, Louisiana. He was just moved here by his company to work in oil and gas. And I mentioned to him, hey, I, I live in the area here. He said, well, is there a good place to eat around here? Those good places to eat need to be Teak members. Of course. And they can actually look on our Shell Mobile app and get connected with services in the GPS area because, you know, our Shell Mobile app actually has that connection. So a lot of things that Shell has under one umbrella to help the community connect Grow your business, learn new, uh, meet new people, learn about things in your area. Um, so I highly encourage our listeners to go to shellmag.com and poke around on our website because there's a lot of different things to offer. But these new people that are coming into the area to reconnect with services that were lost, these are the exact people that we want them to come down for a Teak Energy Day with us on the 22nd of February. And we're gonna we're we're gonna load the buses up. We're gonna go to the Capitol, not D.C., but Austin. Austin. And we're not a lobby. This is not a lobbying effort. Right. No one is in jeopardy of losing their job because they have a very strict anti-lobbying um, type of policy. This is actually where we have a one pager that talks about. Um, taxes that we are raised through oil and gas and how the businesses have benefited um, the school and law enforcement. It's basically an overview of us understanding how uh, important energy is to our great state without directly lobbying. So there won't be any mention of any house bills. And and at the time, honestly, there is nothing on the table. So it's a very uh, great way of getting involved with the process of how bills are made and meeting your elected official. That's a very powering experience if you've never done that, Alvin, to shake hands with the person that you actually voted for and to tell them I'm your constituent and here's what I think and to have the attention of them or the, their staffers. It's a awesome feeling. It really is. And, and, you know, we'll have our T-shirts will all be the same. We will be listening to elected officials talk to us for the day. It's just going to be action-packed all day with lots of things to do and cover and in uh, and, and our beautiful capital. I mean, what else do you want to do in a day except go down there and, and get engaged, get involved? So go to shellmag.com, click on the Teak button, get signed up. And remember, 222, February 22nd, that's next month, just over a month away, Energy Day at the state capitol. Now, Kim, before we run out of, out of time in this segment, let's talk about the new issue of oh. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine. Well, you know, Alvin, every year since we were born, um, we have, in January, February, we have created a woman's issue. And this issue uh, that we're putting out is dedicated to women. Uh, our covers are Shana Robinson, who is the Chief Growth Officer for Baptist uh, Hospitals and Baptist Healthy Solutions. And the other side is Karen Harbert, who is the president of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in their 21st Century Energy Division. 
And these two ladies have dynamic stories. Um, We were very proud to bring to our readers and to bring forth their stories. And there's also a lot of other ladies that are throughout the publication, uh, different ladies that are in the energy sector or in the business sector that we also found had great stories. So this issue, again, is dedicated to all the women that are working either in energy or in business. And it's kind of like a who's who of women. Uh, I highly encourage our listeners to uh, go to shellmag.com. It's up on the website, or they can visit our Facebook page and click on the link, and they can um, get a free digital copy or review the digital copy. And I, I've got to say this. I've, I've met both Shana and Karen, and their respective organizations are extremely lucky to have gotten them in that organization. Both of those individuals are top-notch. They just don't come any better. I agree. Uh, you know, being a woman as well, of course, um, the, this issue is usually every January. I look forward to it, being able to tell other women's stories, how powerful women have become in the workforce. is really an important thing to me personally. And um, so I'm very proud of this issue. Uh, but, you know, Alvin, we, we talked about how the Oil Patch Radio Show, how far we have come in two years since we started the show. I have to say, looking at the publication, the same thing. Every single cover has been an amazing cover. But when I look and see some of the great opportunities that Shell has had to interview some of the most influential people in the energy sector, I am just amazed to tell their stories to the public and bring their stories forward. I mean, you know, to have Harold Hamm and Rod Lewis from Lewis Energy, um, Jeff Miller, the uh, president of Halliburton and the ones that are coming on for 2017. These are just amazing who's who folks in the energy yeah, it, sector. It really is a list of who's who's, and we're not going to give away who's coming, but I've seen the list. and It's impressive, I will it's say that. It's going to be a great year for, for Shell Magazine. So so make sure if you, if you need a copy, how do you get a copy? Shellmag.com. Uh, there is a uh, area that they can uh, fill out keep in the loop. If they want a hard copy, they can go online and request that, and we will be happy to get them hard copies. But right now, what we really want to do is give anyone that wants to see Shell Mag in its digital form, it's free. And so uh, if they sign up and keep in the loop, we email it out every new issue, and so they have the ability to look online and read it cover to cover. Well, Kim, about 30 seconds left in this segment. What a great guest we've got coming up next. Oh, isn't it? You're absolutely correct. I couldn't agree with you more. Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sinton is going to be with us. And, and you know, here's a little trivia for you. You might want to remember this. He's the only mechanical engineer that is a Texas Railroad Commissioner currently, and he's only one of, what, three or four that have ever been. Exactly. And that's important when you think about he really understands oil and gas, and he's regulating it. And he'll be with us next. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. Segment two is coming up next. Hi, I'm Rita Stitch, Chairman of the Let's Rodeo Ball Committee. I would like to invite you to the upcoming Let's Rodeo Ball. This fundraising event will benefit the San Antonio Livestock Exposition, Inc. Scholarship Fund and will take place on January 21st, 2017 from 6.30 to 11.30 p.m. at the Joe and Harry Freeman Coliseum in beautiful downtown San Antonio. Our entertainment will be provided by country superstars Gary Allen, Neil McCoy, and -and up-and-coming country artist Brett Mullins. 
Islands. Tickets and sponsorships are available and include dinner and open bar. So get your tickets now. Please call 210-225-5851 or visit sarodeo.com and click on the Let's Rodeo Ball picture. We hope to see you there. The Women's Energy Network National Conference is coming up on April 26th through the 28th. The conference will showcase relevant and timely topics around the theme, energy resilience, refueling innovation, impacting energy professionals in the marketplace and the workplace. This is a great opportunity to connect with experts to increase your knowledge and transform your career while maximizing your contributions at work. The conference will offer a wide range of sessions to reach professionals in varying career stages, including executive-only tracks, continuing education tracks, and an exclusive mentoring circle. Companies and organizations in attendance will include FERC, Shell Oil, ComEd, ExxonMobil, Southern Company, Williams, Targa Resources, and many more. Be sure to mark your calendars for April 26th through the 28th, 2017 in Houston, Texas at the brand new Marriott Marquis. Registration is coming soon, but you can definitely get details at womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston. Click on the events tab and scroll down to the 2017 Win National Conference link. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. And Kim, one of our most popular guests that we've ever had on the show, and, and we've had him several times is with us now, Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sinton. That's right, Alvin. One of the most popular guests we have by looking at our podcast numbers is the very popular Commissioner Ryan Sinton. Commissioner Sinton, welcome to the show. Well, it's good to be back, Kim. Uh, thanks you all for having me. It's always great to visit with you. Now, Commissioner Sitton, before we start asking you the really tough questions, I would like to kind of go over your background for listeners who have not uh, been exposed to uh, the Railroad Commission and your background. So can we start off with that? Sure. Um, I feel like, you know, as you said, we've been together on this program a few times, so I'll, I'll try to be brief for those who have heard it before. But uh, grew up in Texas. As a matter of fact, I'm like a fifth-generation Texan. Uh, grew up in the Irving area. Uh, lived there all the way through high school, then moved uh, to College Station to go to Texas A&M, got a mechanical engineering degree from there, came out and immediately went into the oil business. My first jobs were with uh, Oxy and then with Marathon. And then in 2006, I started my own company, a little engineering and technology company that has since then uh, just grown like crazy. We were very blessed. Um, I'm no longer at that company, but it, it is still in business. It's called Pinnacle, and today Pinnacle's got something like 700 employees. does business all around the world. Uh, I guess it's now about three years ago, decided that uh, re- really had a passion for energy policy, still do, uh, and had done a lot of regulatory work and decided that, man, I think I can really make an impact in public service. So I ran for railroad commissioner, and now I am, am just finishing up or coming up on two years as one of your Texas Railroad Commissioners. And the, the thing I like to remind people is I am the first engineer to serve as a railroad commissioner in 50 years. That's amazing. It, it, it's important that you have expertise because, you know, the Texas Railroad Commission is such an important agency. So you guys regulate oil and gas. You also protect the public safety is a concern of the Texas Railroad Commission. Briefly cover what is the Railroad Commission's real job as the agency. Well, sure. I, in fact, I'll start with what I like to say. I, I came up with this phrase as a way of giving people a, a perspective of our vision or our goal. I feel like the Railroad Commission's primary job is to give the people of this state, the 27 million Texans who vote for railroad commissioners or who can't, 
to give the people of this state confidence in the way energy is developed and produced in this state. So when you think about it, when you when someone goes to drill an oil well or drill a gas well or to build a pipeline or to do some coal mining, in general, all of those activities are very good for our state. They are positive economically. Uh, they contribute to our schools and our jobs. Uh, they, you know, a lot of the, the kids that graduated from A&M with me went into the energy industry. Uh, and, and people want those industries to do well here. However, they also want to know that that stuff is being done right, that it's being done safely, that it's not having a detrimental impact on their community or on their ranch property. And so it's our job to make sure that people feel comfortable with how that stuff is being done. And we do that through good regulation. We do that through good enforcement. And we do that with public education by doing, by getting out there and connecting with people around the state and doing programs just like yours where we talk about what's happening in the areas of regulation and oil and gas development and all the things that we cover. And it, I, I also just want to clarify that the Texas Railroad Commission, that name, the agency's been around for a very long time. And back when it began, it covered, um, and its role was to cover um, the railroads. However, that's not what you guys cover anymore. It's it's primarily energy. And, and we all, I think, from Texas understand really how important Uh, exploration of oil and gas is and how much we receive in resources that basically flows out for the betterment of the state. And so that being said, how important the Railroad Commission is, you guys oversee um, all of the regulatory uh, framework around oil and gas. And recently over the holidays, um, I want to talk to you about President Obama's Environment Protection Agency, the EPA. On January 3rd, it was considered Um, a revision on oil and gas waste as a result of a legal settlement with an environmental with some environmental groups Um, and the agreement that was reached just before Christmas and finalized in a consent degree on December 28th required the agency to review the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act which is better known as RCRA for possible changes that could classify oil fill waste as hazardous material and require a more stringent control. So my question to you, Commissioner Sinton, is where does the railroad sit in this pertaining to Texas and how how we see this and what kind of obstacles is this going to create for the energy sector um, if this goes through? Well, this is such a, a, a great topic and we could spend some time on it today because it's one of these topics that that not only affects oil and gas, but it has to do with the balance of power between executive and legislative branch of government. It has to do with, with processes of following rules in any regulatory agency. And so all these things are combined. And at the end of the day, what we're witnessing is that the current administration is exiting Washington is a bit of political gamesmanship at its worst. And so let, let's walk through this a little bit because I think that even people that aren't in the oil and gas business – can appreciate the fact that whenever government systems or government processes or government agencies use manipulative tricks to bypass their own systems, that shakes all of our confidence in government, and that's why we can be glad that the current EPA administration is leaving office. So go back about a year ago. Um, a, a environmental agency or environmental um, group filed a lawsuit against the EPA saying, hey, EPA, you're not adequately enforcing hazardous waste disposal um, regulation. Now, at the end of the day, 
in Texas, all hazardous waste disposal from oil and gas is regulated by the Railroad Commission. So the, the, the EPA actually doesn't, doesn't have any authority here. They have delegated that authority to the state of Texas. So the EPA's response in that lawsuit could have been, uh, look, we, we, we understand your lawsuit. However, we are not going to um, concede in this lawsuit because we know that the states are doing a fine job. In fact, uh, the states are willing to join us in defending your lawsuit to demonstrate that they are doing everything adequately. I sent a letter personally to the administrator of the EPA, Gina McCarthy, and I told her, here's, I gave her an example of about a dozen rules we have and what we're doing uh, to try and stave off this conclusion. I heard you about to say something. What were you going to ask? Well, what I was going to ask is, um, you know, what, what are your feelings on what the incoming bureaucracy is, is how they're going to handle these situations? Uh, we do need to take a quick break, and I want to stay on this subject. When we get back, you're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, visiting with Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sinton. We'll be right back. Managers, bosses, supervisors, hey, flu season is here. Don't let the flu bug bite your employees. Banish sick days and keep your workforce strong, healthy, and productive with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. Trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 866-334-2485. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bellotto and our special guest, Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sinton. Commissioner, before we went to break, we were talking about a letter that you'd written to the EPA and, and how the Texas Railroad Commission is corresponding with the EPA over the disposal of hazardous waste. And, and let's, let's stay on that topic. I, I think you've got some more to say about that. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for that, that intro. So we sent this letter to the EPA saying, look, we, we have very comprehensive rules in place. We are covering this topic of hazardous waste. So, no, there's no reason for you to accept this lawsuit. Let's fight this thing. Well, the EPA, keep in mind, I'll sidebar here, has a rulemaking process just like the Railroad Commission does. If someone who has standing at either of the agencies says, I'd like to propose some new rules to be instituted, they can propose those. The staff of the agency will evaluate that proposal. If they think it's a good proposal, they'll issue those rules for public comment. Anybody in the United States and state of Texas can comment on those rules. Then there's an evaluation process of the proposed rules and the comments, and eventually the agency and its administrative process will make a determination whether or not to advance those rules to actually become regulations. Well, the EPA didn't go through that process. In fact, particularly what they in specific what they did is in this lawsuit, they didn't engage the Railroad Commission. They ignored my letter, and they said, you know what, I'm just going to settle with this environmental group so that I can change my – or go down a rulemaking process without actually following my own rules about how to do that. And so it, to me, it's very telling that they couldn't use their own processes to get this thing done because they knew they wouldn't go anywhere because all of the states, or most of us in the oil and gas space – have great regulation capacity for, for handling hazardous waste. The EPA wanted to take this on unilaterally, which now gets into this question about the balance of power. That, that's exactly what agencies should not be doing. The power that 
the Railroad Commission has is granted to us by the state legislature and the Constitution of the state of Texas, and we have to follow our rules when we do that. If we don't, we're abusing the power of the executive branch of government, just like the EPA is doing right now. So just then the question that Alvin asked you prior to the break as well, what, understanding everything that's happened now with the EPA and this ruling, where do you see the Texas Railroad Commission going, and where do you also see President-elect Trump, who's coming in, how do you think he's going to be dealing with the EPA and some of the rulings uh, that they've done here in the past couple of years, and especially with this one? Well, in the case of the EPA specifically, we've gotten a very good, very strong message, because Trump has identified that he's going to nominate Scott Pruitt, who's the current attorney general of the state of Oklahoma, to be the head of the EPA. And Scott Pruitt has a long history of defending and representing states' rights from a regulatory capacity and specifically suing right, federal suing. government and the EPA. So when we, when we look at that, we say, great. Given his background, we have a pretty strong expectation that he's going to rein in a lot of those practices and hopefully get the EPA to operate like it should, focusing on the areas where it should and allowing the states, especially like Texas and our agencies like the Railroad Commission, to do the job that we're here to do. Uh, you know, I know that the environmental groups, they, they basically are there to help uh, support that regulate that you know oil and gas is being done right and properly but I think they just tend to go way 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 over board and that doesn't solve anything either no it, it doesn't in fact I'll I'll add to what you just said you know I, I, I grew up in Irving my parents are both teachers most of our vacations we went camping we went to state parks we went to uh, places like Big Bend the only national park in Texas you know hiking backpacking and that's what we did I would challenge you to find any state in the union where its citizens were as proud and considered it their land as sacred as we do in Texas. I mean, private property rights in Texas and our ranches and our farmland, I mean, we that is a huge part of our identity. And yet you combine that with the fact that we're also the number one oil and gas producer. So if you if someone were to, to hypothesize that, well, people in Texas just must not care about the land because that's why they do all this oil and gas development. Man, you just couldn't be further off. And so the fact that we take so much pride in our land and land ownership and in the the areas that we camp and farm and live tells you that the Railroad Commission is – is has a very serious charge in this state to make sure that things are being done right, and I'm very proud of this state's track record in that area. Well, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to the fourth branch of government after after our new president takes office. Uh, we do need to take a quick break, Commissioner. When we get back, we want to talk about Sunset Review, and let's close out with the state of the American energy industry and where you see things going for 2017. We're hearing a lot of positive. So we want to talk about that when we get back, but we do need to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey along with Kim Bellotto and our special guest, Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton. We'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us Info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. 
The Women's Energy Network National Conference is coming up on April 26th through the 28th. This national conference brings together nearly 500 participants from across the country from multiple disciplines in the energy industry. The conference will showcase relevant and timely topics around the theme energy resilience, refueling innovation, impacting energy professionals in the marketplace and the workplace. This is a great opportunity to connect with experts to increase your knowledge and transform your career while maximizing your contributions at work. The conference will offer a wide range of sessions to reach professionals in varying career stages, including executive-only tracks, continuing education tracks, and an exclusive mentoring circle. Companies and organizations in attendance will include FERC, Shell Oil, ComEd, ExxonMobil, Southern Company, Williams, Targa Resources, and many more. Be sure to mark your calendars for April 26th through the 28th, 2017 in Houston, Texas at the brand new Marriott Marquis. Registration is coming soon, but you can definitely get details at womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston, click on the events tab, and scroll down to the 2017 Win National Conference link. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest on the phone today, Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sinton. Kim? Commissioner Sinton, um, before the break, Alvin was uh, inquiring about the Texas Sunset Commission, which is a review process that occurs in looking at all of the different agencies, correct? That's correct. Okay. And and the Texas Railroad Commission has been under review from the Sunset Review Board for the last two sessions. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you're up for review? The Texas Railroad Commission is up for review again this year. And I know that um, there have been some uh, reforms that have been requested. And, and to my understanding, they look like they're uh, able to, y'all can live with the proposed changes that they are asking. Tell me a little bit about why do you think this is happening? What are the proposed changes? And where do you think the Texas Railroad Commission will end up at the end of the session? <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> uh, well, let's first back up a little bit. Real quickly, we've, we weren't in Sunset Review last session. We were in Sunset Review two sessions ago, so four years ago, and then actually two years before that. So six years ago, then, then four years ago. And what was happening, if you were to ask legislators what was going on at the time, to be candid, the Railroad Commission hadn't done a great job of demonstrating how how we were functioning, of why we were doing the things we were doing, how budget money was being spent, how we were tracking enforcement, really demonstrating that we run a good business. And uh, the legislature took a couple of passes. I mean, they, they're very public about the fact that they know the Railroad Commission has a vital role in the state. However, they also are responsible to, put to the people of this state to make sure that we're doing a good job. So that we went through two rounds of sunset. They didn't feel like we had, had really hit the mark yet. So they gave us a, two, a, a one session reprieve, and now we're coming back this time. And I will tell you that not only myself, but uh, Chairman Craddock, uh, Christy Craddock, who's the chairman now, uh, have been working diligently to make sure, yes, we are putting our best foot forward making sure everybody understands how the agency is functioning. We're coming into this session with a lot of optimism and a lot of positive feedback from the legislators who we are engaging that they're seeing what they want to see. Shortly, uh, you, you'll see that we have, yes, there's, there's been a bunch of recommendations from Sunset staff. Many of those, we say, hey, these are great ideas. We can implement these. There's a few that we've had some concerns about or issues about, and as we talk to the Sunset Commission, which is the group of legislators, that dialogue's been very fruitful, 
And once again, I'm really optimistic that we're going to get a, a positive review at the end of this legislative session. You know, the other the other thing that's worth noting is the fact that if the Texas Railroad Commission is really going to regulate the entire state of Texas, which is huge, and oil and gas exploration is going on all over the state, it makes sense that the state of Texas and, of course, our, our the voters should fund the agency properly to give the agency the the tools that they need to be able to stay up with modern time and be able to do their job more efficiently. And can you tell me a little about some of the problems on that end? And does it look like it's going to be addressed this session of being able to assist the Texas Railroad Commission? Sure. Well, one point I'd like to make, and this is this is pretty. It sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but it's really important. The people of the state of Texas do not pay for the Railroad Commission. The industry pays for the Railroad Commission. In other words, fees that are charged to oil and gas companies are what fund the regulatory agency. And I I think that's important because I I don't want people out there to think that, gosh, I've got to pay for this agency and these cleanup funds so that this industry can make a lot of money. That is paid for with industry fees. Now, that being said, we've had an issue this, this last year and a half or two years because as i just said we're funded out of industry fees and those industry fees as you can imagine have gone down a lot because we have you know reduced numbers of drilling permits reduced production and that has put a strain on the agency uh once again i'll come back to the discussion with the legislature about how we utilize those fees and what percentage of those fees get allocated directly to the railroad commission and I'm, I'm, once again, I'm optimistic that when you talk about how those dollars are allocated, that the, the, the legislature will make sure that we have the funding we need coming from industry using dollars that are already there, just that today they're allocated to general revenue, and they need to allocate a, a little bit more of those to the Railroad Commission specifically. If we get that, we'll be in great shape, and we'll be able to do the things we need to do. Okay, so that makes perfect sense, and thank you for clearing that up because I really was uh, under the impression that Texas funds computers and the technology that is necessary. So I'm glad to hear that it's basically coming from uh, all of the oil and gas. And maybe there is a another discussion that you guys are having on on how do you raise how do you raise the money that you need to stay. Uh, up with modern technology. And with that, Commissioner Sinton, we do have to take a real quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Amerjet's global cargo network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. With over 40 years of experience in the energy industry, we will help drive your excellent performance. Shipping general cargo, oversized, heavy lift, hazardous material, or mission-critical cargo? Amerjet is your full-service logistics provider, offering air charter, airport-to-airport, cross-border trucking, and express shipping. Amerjet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S. with more than 625 destinations worldwide. We provide global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Your company will benefit from compliance with the highest safety and environmental standards, 24-7 security and surveillance, and online tracking. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. For the best in customer satisfaction, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 281-617-2187 or visit us at Amerijet.com. Once again, that's 281-617-2187 or visit us at Amerijet.com. 
Hi, I'm Rita Stitch, Chairman of the Let's Rodeo Ball Committee. I would like to invite you to the upcoming Let's Rodeo Ball. This fundraising event will benefit the San Antonio Livestock Exposition, Inc. Scholarship Fund and will take place on January 21st, 2017 from 6.30 to 11.30 p.m. at the Joe and Harry Freeman Coliseum in beautiful downtown San Antonio. Our entertainment will be provided by country superstars Gary Allen, Neil McCoy, and up-and-coming country artist Brett Mullins. Tickets and sponsorships are available and include dinner and open bar. So get your tickets now. Please call 210-225-5851 or visit sarodeo.com and click on the Let's Rodeo Ball picture. We hope to see you there. Join the San Antonio Energy Coalition for the 10th Annual Coalition Blowout on January 28, 2017 at the Alzafar Shrine. The event will feature live music from Cactus Country, an incredible pork tenderloin dinner sponsored by SPN Well Services, and lots of laughs, new and old friends, all while raising money for scholarships. Once again, the event is on January 28, 2017, starts at 6 p.m. with a cocktail hour, followed by the pork tenderloin dinner at 7 p.m. at the Alzafar Shrine, located at 901 North Loop 1604 West in San Antonio, Texas. Get your tickets at coalitionblowout.com. That's coalitionblowout.com. We'll see you on the 28th. Oil Field Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Join Teak, the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, as we travel to the Texas Capitol to support energy and meet with legislators. The energy industry supports our local and national economy, and now we want to support it. Show your support of energy in America by joining us for the Citizens for Energy Day on February 22, 2017. To sign up and attend, please visit teak.shalemag.com. That's T-E-A-C dot S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. We'll see you at the Capitol. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest on the phone with us today is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sinton. Commissioner, let's talk about the state of the American energy industry. I think it's going to be an exciting 2017 for us. What are your feelings? I uh, completely agree. You know, all of the things that we look at when we talk about market fundamentals, so that's how much oil and gas are being produced, what's the demand or consumption around the world, what's it doing, what areas are producing more and less or less oil and gas, what are acreage prices doing, how many pipelines are being built. I mean, all the things we look at right now give us positive indications on 2017. If you were to ask me, you know, three or four months ago, uh, Ryan, what do you think oil prices are going to look like in 2017? I would have said, well, I think they're going to probably come up and hover around $60 a barrel for most of 2017, and that's obviously give or take. Uh, the OPEC deal that got done here in November that even included some non-OPEC nations caused those prices to spike a little quicker than I thought they were going to. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, I guess, in the low 50s or so today, and I expect that once it, we're still going to probably hover in that $60 range if the OPEC members will hold to their commitments on production uh, and Saudi continues to play its leadership role in bringing us some stability to the market. The optimistic part of that for us is at you know, 55, 60, and even the low 60s, 
for WTI, there's a lot of places in Texas where oil is produced profitably. Certainly the Permian Basin and South Texas, even some of the wells, even East Texas and uh, even like in Houston and the Austin Chalk areas. So I think it's going to be a very good time for the industry, and especially in Texas, where you've seen such strength in places like the Permian. So things look very good for it. And Commissioner Sinton, uh, to add to that on OPEC, so is there a specific way that the world can monitor and see, uh, are they bringing uh, some of the oil offline, or how do you see that um, occurring? Because when I've talked to other experts about how do they manage and how do they verify this, um, it, it it's kind of appears it's going to be hard to do. So does that cause a, a plummeting effect in oil if they don't, or, or what are your thoughts on that? It, it can, and uh, you're right. Look, the Energy Information Agency in the United States and even the International Energy Administration, or whatever they call it, the IEA, which is over in Europe, we, we get really good real-time data about what's happening from the production side in both the United States and in, in the developed world in Europe. But a lot of the, the middle, the, the second and third world countries, they don't have that. So it's a lot of modeling and speculation until six months from now when we find out what happened today. However, there are some things that we can look at and say, hey, you know, what what is the potential? Well, if oil prices were to spike to you know $100 a barrel, I guarantee everyone would go produce as much oil as they can. I mean, they, they would blow through the, the numbers and the, the agreements because they want to make, make hay while the sun shines. However, Saudi just, I think yesterday or the day before, announced that they were going to hold their price of light, sweet crude at a fairly reasonable number. I can't remember what it was. I want to say it was in the, in the high 50s. And so what that does is that, that says, hey, we're going to set the price at a decent level, but we're not going to allow it to go too high. And at that point, it brings a sense of there's no point in ramping up and dumping a lot of oil on the market. So, once again, we're seeing signs that there's going to be more stability now at a reasonable price versus the up and down shocks we've seen over the last you know, eight years. And so, in, in your opinion, do you also think that that has anything to do with the new administration coming in? Or do you just think that it is just a market correction that's occurring? And I think that all of the oil producers worldwide have, have finally... Uh, had enough of uh, low oil prices and, and need to find a way of, of leveling this this playing field? While we're all optimistic, I think we're all, a lot of us certainly, uh, I am and you are, I know Kim, optimistic about the new administration coming in and, and being much more friendly to oil and gas development. I think right now what we're seeing in prices is all driven by market conditions. It is It is new production coming offline based on the OPEC deal. It is looking over the last year and seeing that some productions just come offline because it wasn't profitable to produce. Uh, Places like Venezuela that dropped its production by north of 500,000 barrels a day just because there, there wasn't the investment to make. So as supply and demand come into alignment, that's really the main thing pushing prices up over the last six months. I think it's what's going to hold those prices there uh, over the next year or two. Very good. Well, as always, Commissioner Sinton, Great interview. Thank you so much for coming in and talking to Alvin and I today on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. It's funny, Commissioner. We learn something every time we hear your voice. <laughs> well, thank you. It sure is nice of you guys to keep including me on this. I like doing it, uh, so certainly let us know the next time you need me on, and I'll be glad to do it.
you know, Kim, it's always great to have Commissioner sitting on because we learn something every time we hear his voice. And, you know, that brings us to the to the point in the show where it's time to talk about some trivia. Trivia time. And I think Commissioner Sitton gets to be the subject of this week's trivia here on In the Oil Patch. And if you'd like to win a $75 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the best Brazilian steakhouse in Texas. All you have to do is be the first correct emailer to the following question. And here's where you're going to want to email it to radio at shalemag.com. Again, radio at shalemag, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Here's the question. Commissioner Ryan Sinton, we talked earlier in the show about what his professional education, his professional training, and his professional trade is. It's all, it's all the same answer. But just tell us, what is Commissioner Sinton's professional trade? And you'll win yourself, if you're the first correct emailer, you'll win yourself a $75 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the best Brazilian steakhouse in the world. That's right, Alvin. And that's going to be a wrap for this week's show. We look forward to reading reading your emails. In the meantime, be sure and like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash in the oil patch radio show. We're on Twitter at Shale Mag. And you know what? We'll see you next week. Adios. In the oil patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.